Welcome to Dreamful Podcast, bedtime stories for slumber. I would like to start off this episode by thanking our newest Patreon supporters, Kevin Chu and Martina Donvita, who happens to be a Cancer, so this is a very appropriate episode for her. Happy birthday, Martina. Thank you both so much, and I hope you have the sweetest of dreams. If you find value in Dreamful and would also like to contribute to the show, please visit dreamfulstories.com where you can find info about the show and on the support page, there's a link to become a Patreon subscriber. Patreon members get access to bonus episodes and perks like voting on future episodes, holographic stickers, giveaways, and behind the scenes extras. I get messages from so many listeners that they have trouble sleeping because of past traumas, anxiety, panic attacks, or depression. It might seem like you're alone in these experiences or that there's something wrong and it's embarrassing, but that's simply not true. That's why I'm so thankful to be sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs with a quick and comprehensive survey and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours in a safe and private online environment with the convenience of skipping an uncomfortable waiting room. Send a message to your counselor anytime and receive timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, schedule weekly video or phone sessions. This service is available for clients worldwide and you can find a licensed professional counselor that specializes in your specific needs, whether that be depression, sleeping, family conflicts, trauma, and much more. Best of all, it's more affordable than offline counseling, and financial aid is available. As a listener of Dreamfall, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com dreamful. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, help spelled H-E-L-P dot com slash dreamful. My kids love listening to podcasts, especially the zany episodes of Bobby Wonder. Bobby is a 10-year-old that has just found out he's from another planet, has superpowers, and a diabolical villain is out to get him. Created by a New York Times best-selling children's author, produced by the Emmy award-winning Go Kid Go team, and voiced by community star Danny Pudi, Bobby Wander is one of the fastest-growing children's podcasts. And for good reason, with all the amazing adventures listeners are taken on. Join Bobby and his hilarious companion Grabstack on a mission to retrieve a priceless artifact hidden in the Snood Candy Factory, battle it out with 10,000 boulders, and more. Visit our sponsor at GoKidGo.com for more information and find Bobby Wonder on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Each month in the year 2021, we will be exploring the history and mythos behind some of the most famous constellations. This is the seventh episode of the Constellation series, Cancer the Crab. So, snuggle up in your blankets and have sweet dreams.
in the northern celestial hemisphere lies a constellation so faint it can hardly be seen with the naked eye. Cancer the Crab Within this constellation is a messier object famously known as the Beehive Cluster because of the swarm-like appearance of its stars. Cancer also hosts a super-Earth planet that has been discovered near a neighboring star in the Milky Way. After analyzing the planet's composition, scientists deemed it the Diamond Planet, due to an estimated third of the planet's mass to be made of diamond. However, more recent studies have discovered this to be less likely. In Chinese mythology, four stars surrounding the beehive cluster are known as the celestial corpses. This nebulous object is in the ghost, the 23rd lunar mansion of ancient Chinese astrology. The Chinese stargazers saw this as a ghost or demon riding in a carriage and likened its appearance to a cloud of pollen in ancient Egyptian records dating back to around 2000 BC, the Cancer constellation was seen as the scarab, a sacred emblem for immortality. A scarab was also responsible for pushing the sun across the heavens. In the span of many centuries and cultures, this constellation has mostly been interpreted as a shelled, shore-dwelling creature, whether that be a lobster, crayfish, or more famously, the crab. The story of Cancer the Crab begins with the famous hero of Greek mythology, Heracles. Zeus had had a love affair with a mortal woman named Alcmene. Nine months later, when it came time for his son to be born, Zeus boasted in Olympus of the greatness of his new child. He shall be named Heracles, in glory of my wife Hera, and as he will be born on this day, he will rule the house of Perseus in Mycenae. Hera was furious at Zeus for naming a child after her that was not her own. In her jealousy, she went at once to Mycenae, and there she bewitched Alcmene so that she could not give birth until the next day. Then she hastened the birth of Heracles' cousin, Eurystheus, so he would become king of Mycenae instead. Less than a year had passed by when Hera again tried to destroy the destiny of Heracles. She sent two serpents slithering across the floor with their scales rippling in the moonlight toward the infant. As he slept, the snakes raised up to strike with poisonous fangs. But before they could, 
Heracles reached out and gripped their throats. Alcmene awoke to the giggles of her baby as he flung the dead serpents to the floor. Heracles was taught to drive a chariot by Amphitryon, to wrestle by Autolegus, to shoot with a bow by Eurytus, to fence by Castor, and to play the lyre by Linus. When he became a man, by the look of him, it was plain that he was the son of Zeus, for his body measured four cubits and he flashed a gleam of fire from his eyes. And he did not miss, neither with the bow nor with the javelin. He received a sword from Hermes, a bow and arrows from Apollo, a golden breastplate from Hephaestus, and a robe from Athena. And he had himself cut a club at Nemea from an olive tree, Eventually, he went to the Oracle of Delphi, and there he was told to serve his cousin, King Eurystheus, for twelve years. During this time, if Heracles completed all the tasks given to him, he would become a god. Despite his disdain for weak Eurystheus, Heracles desired to become immortal and so followed the oracle's advice. Heracles arrived in Tyrians and declared his servitude to the king. Unbeknownst to Heracles, the goddess Hera had favored King Eurystheus and was always over his shoulder, whispering thoughts and ideas into his ears. Seeing Heracles before her, resentful Hera guided the king to instruct Heracles to complete twelve labors that were impossible for any mortal and would certainly result in his death. Of these tasks, Eurystheus ordered Heracles to kill the Lernaean Hydra, that creature bred in the swamp of Lerna, used to go forth into the plain and ravage both the cattle and the country. The Hydra had a huge body, with nine heads, eight mortal, but the middle one, immortal. So, mounting a chariot driven by Aeolus, he came to Lerna, and having halted his horses, he discovered the Hydra on a hill beside the springs of the Amimone, where was its den. By pelting it with fiery shafts, he forced the Hydra to come out, and in the act of doing so, he seized and held it fast. But the Hydra wound itself about one of his feet and clung to him. He could not affect anything by smashing its heads with his club, for as fast as one head was smashed, there grew up two. 
Heracles sent a huge crab to the help of the Hydra. The crab distracted Heracles by biting his foot, so he killed it with a swift stomp, and in his turn called for help on Aeolus, who, by setting fire to a piece of the neighboring wood and burning the roots of the heads with the brands, prevented them from sprouting. Having thus got the better of the sprouting heads, Heracles chopped off the immortal head and bury it, and put a heavy rock on it beside the road that leads through Luna to Eleus. But the body of the Hydra he slid up and dipped his arrows in the blood. Hera turned her slain monster into the constellation of the same name, the Hydra, while she transformed the crab into the constellation of Cancer. However, Eurystheus said that this labor should not be reckoned because he had not got the better of the Hydra by himself, but with the help of Aeolus. In their effort to mark an end to Heracles' successes, Eurystheus and Hera decided that the next task would be to capture the Cyrenian Hind. This was a sacred deer belonging to the goddess Artemis and had golden antlers, hooves of bronze, and was so swift that it could outrun a flying arrow. Heracles had great effort to track the animal. When he saw it, he followed it for a year through the lands of Greece, Thrace, Istria, and the land of Hyperboreans. But when, weary with the chase, the beast took refuge on the mountain called Artemisius and passed to the river Ladon, Heracles shot it just as it was about to cross the stream, and catching it, put it on his shoulders and hastened through Arcadia. On his way back, Artemis and her brother Apollo appeared in front of Heracles. This task was given, thinking that Heracles would cause the anger of the goddess, and that she would thereby punish him. However, when Artemis appeared in front of him, Heracles pleaded necessity, and laying the blame on Eurystheus, he appeased the anger of the goddess and carried the beast alive to Mycenae. When he returned to the king's court, Eurystheus told Heracles that the animal now belonged to him. Not forgetting his promise to the goddess, Heracles tricked Eurystheus by telling him he should take the animal himself and bring it to the palace. When Eurystheus came out to take the deer, the hero let it go, and the animal ran back to Artemis. For his next labor, Heracles was to bring the Arimanthian boar alive. 
a beast that came from a mountain, which they call Araminthus. So passing through Philo, Heracles was entertained by the centaur Pholus. He set roast meat before Heracles, while he himself ate his meat raw. When Heracles called for wine, Pholus said he feared to open the jar which belonged to the centaurs in common. But Heracles, bidding him be of good courage, opened it, and not long afterwards, scenting the smell, the centaurs arrived at the cave of Pholus, armed with rocks and furs. The first who dared to enter were repelled by Heracles with several swings of his club, and the rest of them he shot and pursued as far as Malia. Then they took refuge with the good centaur Chiron, who, driven by the Lapiths from Mount Pelion, took up his home at Malia. As the centaurs cowered about Chiron, Heracles shot another arrow at them, which, passing through the arm of Aletus, stuck in the knee of Chiron. Distressed at this, Heracles ran up to him, drew out the shaft, and applied a medicine which Chiron gave him. But the hurt proved incurable, and too much to bear. So Chiron retired to the cave, and there he wished to die, but he could not for he was immortal. However, Prometheus offered himself to Zeus to be immortal in his stead, and so Chiron died. The rest of the centaurs fled in different directions. But Pholus, drawing the arrow from a corpse, wondered that so little a thing could kill such big fellows. However, it slipped from his hand and landing on his foot, killed him on the spot. So when Heracles returned to Philo, he beheld Pholus dead, and he buried him and proceeded to the boar hunt. And when he had chased the boar with shouts from a certain thicket, he drove the exhausted beast into deep snow, trapped it, and brought it to Mycenae. In an effort to humiliate Heracles and stain his reputation, the subsequent labor the king laid on him was to carry out the dung of the cattle of Aegeus in a single day. Now Aegeus was king of Elis. Some say that he was a son of the sun, others that he was a son of Poseidon, and others that he was a son of Phorbus and he had many herds of cattle blessed with immortality. Heracles met with Aegeus, and without revealing the command of Eurystheus, said that he would carry out the dung in one day if Aegeus would give him 10% of the cattle. Aegeus was incredulous, but agreed. Having taken Augeas' son Phileas to witness, 
Heracles made a breach in the foundations of the cattle yard. And then, diverting the courses of the Alpheus and Peneus rivers, which flowed near each other, he turned them into the yard. Having first made an outlet for the water through another opening. In doing so, the stables were washed out by the waters. When Aegeus learned that this had been accomplished at the command of Eurystheus, he would not pay the reward. And what's more, he denied that he had promised to pay it. And on that point, he took them to court. The arbitrators having taken their seats, Phileas was called by Heracles and bore witness against his father, affirming that he had agreed to give him a reward. In a rage, Augeas, before the voting took place, ordered both Phileas and Heracles to leave his land. Though Heracles returned yet again, having completed the task, Eurystheus would not admit this labor either, alleging that it had been performed for hire. The next task for Heracles was to chase away the Stymphalian birds, man-eating birds with beaks of bronze, sharp metallic feathers, that they could launch at their victims. At the city of Stymphalus in Arcadia was the lake called Stymphalian, set in a deep wood. To it, countless birds had flocked for refuge, fearing to be preyed upon by the wolves. Though he tried, Heracles was unable to go too deep into the marsh as he would eventually drown. So when he was at last at a loss how to drive the birds from the wood, Athena gave him brazen castanets, which she had received from Hephaestus. By clashing these on a certain mountain that overhung the lake, he scared the birds. They could not abide the sound and fluttered up in a fright. And in that way, Heracles shot them with his poison arrows. The subsequent labor the king set forth was to bring the Cretan bull. It was said that this was the bull that ferried across Europa for Zeus, but some say it was the bull that Poseidon sent up from the sea when Minos promised his sacrifice to Poseidon. And they say that when he saw the beauty of the bull, he sent it away to the herds and sacrificed another to Poseidon at which the god was angry and made the bull savage. The bull had been wreaking havoc concrete by uprooting crops and leveling orchard walls. To attack this bull, Heracles came to Crete, and when, in reply to his request for aid, 
Minos told him to fight and catch the bull for himself. He caught it and brought it to Eurystheus. And having shown it to him, he let it go free. But the bull roamed to Sparta and all Arcadia, and traversing the Isthmus, arrived at Marathon in Attica and harried the inhabitants. And so ends part one of the Twelve Labors of Heracles. <laughs>